Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. We're going to be in James chapter 2, so please look that up. And uh, I'm going to read the 12 verses together with you. And if you're comfortable, actually, you know what, even if you're uncomfortable, please stand as we read that together. You don't have to, right? But I, I invite you to. The title of tonight's teaching is called, Where There is Smoke, There is Fire. Let's read. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions, they were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to those spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so the faith without deeds is dead. You may be seated. I'll pray. God, I love you. Holy Spirit, if you're not here, if you don't move in this room, if you don't move through me, then this is a waste of time. But I'm grateful, Father, that your word is alive and it's sharp and it's active. And it says in your word that it's useful for correction, for teaching and rebuke, and ultimately conforming us, shaping us, molding us into the image of you, Jesus Christ. So let us not be tonight just hearers of the word, but let us do what it says as well, Father. In Jesus' name, all the people said, amen. So let's examine this first verse for a moment. It reads, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? This word, when faith is used here in the original language, it simply means, you can read with me on the screen, the religious belief of Christians. And works, you also can read with me on the screen, are actions done in obedience to God. Now, typically, faith simply means just that, believing God, that he is who he says he is, and that he will do what he said he will do. But in this context, faith, it's what we believe. Like a coworker might describe you to another coworker, Nicholas, who I just met tonight for the first time. It's an honor. They might say that Nicholas is a man of faith, meaning that you have these certain beliefs, these claims about being a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what it means in this context, meaning I believe the gospel. I believe the doctrines of the Bible. I believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that through him, we can go from being dead people separated from him to children and alive in him. So James, he asked the question rhetorically, why claim it if you don't live it? Man, I remember flashbacks of being in Palm Bay in the summer heat playing um, football on like black asphalt with my friends, which is so like, how do we ever do that? 
you know? But in those moments, man, the greatest piece of trash talk you could say, or not the greatest, right? There's way better. But we used to think we were so cool when you say, like, oh, man, you talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. And, and I remember saying that for the first time, be like, yeah, I'm the coolest person I've ever known in my life, right? But ultimately, James is saying that. Why are you talking the talk if you don't walk it out and live it out? So to claim, when we look at that first verse, instead of saying to claim, really a better translation in the original language is saying, I have this. So, so a claim can kind of like, well, well, that's just lip service per se. But no, it really means, no, I, I'm saying I have this. I have this faith. But James is saying you can't claim something. You can't claim something if you don't actually have it. He's saying that the claim, it's verified in the proof. The proof is what? The proof is what? It's works, it's deeds, it's action, which is why we have the title of the teaching, where there is smoke, there is fire. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, or the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of that are the works of the Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit is inside of you, which he is if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you repented, then you will have the fruit in your life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. He's saying these things don't exist apart from each other, but in fact, they exist and they work together. So now, a little bit of my background. For about eight years, I told a weird, bizarre lie. And I don't know what uh, was going on in my head why I told people this, but I used to go around uh, claiming to people that my mom was the model for uh, sun-made raisins. Like, did you guys ever have these, like, in their lunchbox, like the little tiny red box, right? And I was like, yeah, man, my mom was like, that's her, you know? It's her in her younger days, you know? She loved grapes and her red bonnet and all these things, you know? It's just her, it's my mom, whatever, no big deal, you know? And that's so far from the truth. In fact, I don't know how old sun-made raisins even are. What if that was, like, from the 20s or something like that? But, I mean, the, the point remains the same. I'm trying to get to you what James is saying. You can't claim something if it's not actually there, if it's not actually true. I can't say my mom, Dolly Edwards, from Grant. In fact, uh, no uh, person from Grant ever became a model for the record, right? If you guys have lived here long enough, you would understand. My mom's, my mom's beautiful. What am I saying? Larissa, you said you wouldn't record this tonight, so thank you for that. That's good. Cool. But here's the truth. In order for it to be true... She would have actually had to have been the model, okay? If you guys say you put gas in your car, but you didn't put gas in your car, your car is not going anywhere. With my students, I teach them on trips and mission trips that uh, prehydration is better than rehydration. It's easier for your body to get hydrated in advance. Josh, you know what I'm talking about? You've been on Miss Tyler. You guys know we all went to Tennessee together all those years ago, right? Um, And in that, it's easier for your body to, get, to remain hydrated than it is to get dehydrated, then attempt to hydrate again. So that's what I tell my students, right? But to them, or to you, if we were on a mission trip together, if I said, hey, guys, we're going to this orphanage to go minister, fill up your water bottles, and you don't actually do it, and then you get there and you have an empty water bottle, then it, it was a useless situation. James is saying that is a dead faith that doesn't actually do anything. It's not helpful. It won't help you, and it won't help anything else. James is saying if you're a Christ follower and you actually follow Jesus Christ, then there will be fruit of that. There will be evidence of that. But 
it's impossible to be a to claim to be a follower of Jesus without actually becoming like him. But I want to warn you with some things. And in this, you might be thinking of all these scriptures from Jesus Christ about works and grace. And Jesus and Paul, they're not face-to-face arguing with each other. But in fact, we're going to learn in the end that they are back-to-back working together to bring home some critical parts of our, uh, what we believe in our theology. So I want to warn you about legalism equating good works and connecting works for salvation. It's not true, and in fact, it's dangerous. In Galatians, it, say, it says that if you connect being a good person and doing good things or godly things to actually being what makes you saved, that you nullify the grace of God. James would not and is not contradicting that. The Mormon faith it's a cult. It's a lie. It's, it's, it's demonic, ultimately. This new religion that's been going on in the eight, since the 1800s that now has reached over 16 million people, they absolutely connect good works, working for salvation, to um, nullify, ultimately, the grace of Jesus Christ. But we learn so quickly, it seems so simple, it's by grace alone that we are saved. So people can spin off here. People can take this dark and go the wrong way in it. But going back and forth now, we see in James that lip service alone, it is dangerous. We learn with Jesus in Matthew, he tells the parable of the talents. And Jesus is telling a story about a master who uh, distributes money to three different people. Two of the servants, they invest their talents and they multiply them. They multiply the money that was given to them. But one person, out of fear, hides this money in the ground. So the master commends the two servants for taking action, but condemns the third servant for their inaction and ultimately their lack of faith. And we're going to see Jesus in this parable. He's explaining why doing nothing with the grace you've received is a dangerous thing. It reads, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that. I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless, this so intense, servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. See, with our faith, with what we believe, there are things that we follow. We do what we, be, what we do based off of what we believe. So James is saying that if you claim to know Jesus Christ, but there's no evidence that that is a dead faith. So what do you mean a dead faith? We see again, look at this with me in the original language, it's the words necros. It means that it's destitute of force or power. It's inactive. It's inoperative. It makes so much sense as to why he's calling it a dead faith. Because why did Jesus come? He came, of course, to save us so that we could be children of God. But we see in the text as well, he came so that we would have life and life to the full. You and I were a people of power, of love, and we're a people of self-control. We, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us, meaning that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. We were once lost, but now we are found. So here's my question, is do we look the exact same as people in the world? 
Because we're not supposed to look like the world. We're called to be a holy people, a righteous people. And if I'm being honest, my thought life can look a lot like someone who's not saved. My actions can look like someone who's not saved. The decisions I make, the, the, the hopelessness, the fear, the anxiety, the worry. I don't at times as a 34-year-old pastor don't maybe look like someone who has a faith that's alive and active. In fact, at times it looks dead. Does a Christ follower at times look like they have more hope and look like they have a bit more put together than I do? And James, we've probably already talked about it. He says these types of things with the saltwater spring producing fresh water, it ought not be so. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. This can't be the way that it is. In fact, read with me on the screen. Brennan Manning, he goes on to say, that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. They acknowledge Jesus with their lips, they walk out the door, and they deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Did anyone uh, take advantage of Prime Day recently? Okay, good. Anyone want to share what they got? What'd you get? Bunch of dresses. Summertime. Summertime, respect, good, need it. Uh, Isaac Dina helped me purchase um, a, uh, a car, Apple CarPlay. Are you guys familiar with this? We just went on a mission trip to Utah. The car had CarPlay in it, um, and I fell in love with the thing. So we have this, like, this really cheapo, like, $70 hookup that plugs in the cigarette lighter now. And now I feel like my 2003 Honda Pilot's a lot cooler now because I have this <laughs> external Apple Car. But it's going to work. When it gets here, Isaac's going to help me plug it in and everything. It's moving up in the world, right? But I read the reviews on the thing, right? Is anyone with me is like, be, like you're good at researching a product. You're going to read the reviews, okay? So we're not going to buy a product that breaks quickly or doesn't last. When the world looks at what we claim to be as full of hope, full of joy, as the best life, and then they actually see what's displayed in our life, they see how we live our life, they're not going to commit their life to something that doesn't work. Our works do matter. Our influence does have importance. Let's read on in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So demons. It's interesting. Why is James using demons in this part of the text? And as an example, well, I heard it been said that it's because they are the most extreme and clear example of beings whose belief is correct, they're believed, a demon's belief is correct. They were there, they saw when Jesus died, but they also saw when he rose again, that it was all over for them. They didn't know what Jesus meant when he said it's finished, but they would know. They believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They believe correct, but their behavior is not. Belief alone in the Bible and the things of Jesus Christ on an intellectual level, it will not work. There's this term we use, it's called regeneration. And in this theological word, it ultimately and simply means new life. It means a person through the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are a new people with the restored relationship with the Father himself. And in this, when we become people who are once dead and now are alive, because the Father is making all things new, even our appetites, the things we hunger for, must now be new. Jonathan Piper from Desiring God, he says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied by him. 
man, I think about that, and I want God. I know you, and I know you want ultimately. I think you get it, Harvard people. I think, I'm, I'm from, from the ones I know of you, I think you get it. In that, I think that you know that I'm created by God and for God. And I'm here to simply reflect his glory and to make him high and lifted up. That's the answer. That is the right answer. That is correct. However, when I look at that powerful um, value, that powerful mission statement, that God's most glorified in us, I want him to be most glorified in me. But am I satisfied in God? Is my appetite changed or do I still want the things I want before I knew Jesus Christ. And at times, like I love that song we sang tonight about like re-giving it back to God. We need to re-surrender on a daily level. We need to pick up our cross daily because we get off and we need to recalibrate. And that's why we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. I don't wanna go there yet, but we'll get there. But God's mercies are made new daily because our appetites aren't what Jesus always hungers for. Jesus said, my food is what? My food is to do the will of my Father. I have an appetite, and it's to do what my Father wants. Christian, we can get to that place in our sanctification. We're going to get there. If you struggle, that's just, you know what that's evidence of? Of you being a Christian and the Holy Spirit inside of you? Because if you didn't struggle, then, then, then you would just go on day to day, figuring out, well, there's something off. But when you struggle, you know And so with that, I just want to encourage you in that. But we have to remember that faith and works, they do work together. When James says this in verse 22, please read with me on the screen, about faith and works, it says that they are literally working together. They have synergy together. And in that, when combined, it puts forth power and it assists you in life. Works alone does not work. Faith alone also does not work. It's confirmed by Paul in Ephesians and Galatians. Please read with me. You guys know this, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith and is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God so that, not by works so that no one can boast. Works won't save you. In Galatians, Paul reads, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, it has any value. The only that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So faith Without love and action, it does not count. Faith must be combined with love and action in order for it to count. Abraham and Rahab, they're uh, legends in what's known in Hebrews 11 as the hall of faith. And they're legends, they're placed there, they're talked about there because their faith, it overflowed with action, works, and deeds. So what's my commission to you? What I want you to apply to your life tonight is get out there and work hard, work with all your might. Work until you just can't take it anymore. Do better, do better, do better. Grind, fight. Is that, is that the application? It's not. The Bible is upside down. It's different from our flesh. It's different from our human logic. If you've been claiming a faith that's not shown in your lifestyle, a faith that's not working, you don't actually have a works problem and you can't work your way out of it. No matter how hard you try, you can't earn your way out of it. And working tirelessly, it also won't work. No amount of effort will work in this situation. There's only one thing we can do. There's only one thing we can do to overcome this. It's rest. It's rest. It says in Hebrews 10, or Hebrews chapter four, verse 10, 
For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let's make every effort. Let's make every effort. That's what we have to work for, is effort to enter what? That rest, so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. This is the beautiful part, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. Do you want fruit of what you believe your faith to be in your life? Rest and confess. Do you want to stop sinning? Yes, we do. How? Is it by trying harder? Is it working harder? It seems that works really do matter. It's through the surrender. It's through coming to God and saying, I can't. But knowing that his power is made perfect in weakness, if you would simply confess. It says in Romans that it's through confession that healing can come in. And that's how you and I display the fruit of being followers of Jesus Christ and our life is resting. You have to strive to rest. I'm really bad at being good at getting eight hours of sleep. Is anyone else with me? Who's getting eight hours? Okay, everyone's like, no, 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 I'm bad. I'm with you on the bad part. Okay, who's, who's not doing a good job? Right, oh man. Anyone got the whoop? All right, you guys are like, yeah, we like, we're not balling on that level. Like we can't, we can't. I don't know, maybe some of you guys can. You need it. I, I, if you guys want to, like, tie to me personally, I can get a whoop myself, okay? I'll accept it. No, I'm just kidding. I won't lose my job really fast, okay? No, a whoop. Sorry. Yeah, it's a good question. So, yeah, I'm assuming everyone knows. Wow. Um, it's like this thing that goes in your wrist that monitors your rest and recovery and things like that, okay? Um, man, I, I use uh, the iPhone, like, app, like, whatever their sleep tracking is. And it's, like, lately... Mind you, I have a six-month-old at home right now, so it's extremely poor right now. But even in that, you know, uh, it takes a lot of work to get good rest, doesn't it? It means that you can't fall asleep on your couch watching Netflix, right? You have to turn it off. And then, after you've made that really hard decision to go get some rest, you have to decide, am I going to plug in my phone next to my bed or not with a six-foot cord? Because then I can continue, right? And then blue lights in my eyes, right? And then my body's natural melatonin is not going to release until three hours after I've already been asleep. And so I'm going to wake up tired, right? It's hard to rest, isn't it? Like practically and even spiritually. Man, the author of Hebrews is right. It takes a lot of effort to rest. It's opposite of your flesh. That's why working for salvation, working to be a good person in the flesh, not of the Father, makes a lot of sense, right? It's because that's more natural, but the work to rest is, in fact, difficult. Should we be surprised by this upside-down revelation? I don't think so. Let's look at some others in the, in the, the scriptures. We must lose to gain. Jesus said in Matthew, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it talked about this already there's strength and weakness for when i am weak then i am strong in second corinthians chapter 12 we see in matthew that the first will be last we see 
again in Matthew 10 verses later that in order to be a great leader, we must first be a servant. In order to live life, we must first die, according to John chapter 12. In fact, you know, the scriptures, we talk about how free we are, but it also talks about how we're slaves. There's freedom in obedience. Romans, you know, our, 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 the commands, the precepts from the Father is not to hold us back. It's so that we can run as free people the way that the Father designed. There's freedom in obedience. There's exaltation and humility. We're going to learn about in James chapter 4 here soon. In fact, Jesus, here's, here's the truth. If you want to live a full life in Jesus Christ, I think with Jesus being quoted in Acts 20, when he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That is opposite of the American way. But if we can get this right, that's where contentment is found. We gain by losing. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, forever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then lastly, I was remembering a time with the harbor years ago when we did ministry on the FIT campus. And it was really cool. We went out there and uh, we did a, ser- a, a church service in their square and their amphitheater. And it was, it was rad. But I remember um, attempting to invite people on campus to that service. And, and honestly, like, it was, like, because I'm such a privileged American Christian, to be honest with you, I, I've never been persecuted that much for my faith. Okay, that was the most persecution and darkest persecution I've ever had in my life was that day, okay? Um, and it, it was, I mean, I, I don't even feel comfortable sharing from stage some of the dialogues I had. Extremely inappropriate, very um, uncomfortable uh, moments. But in that, I was walking in here and just seeing a group of people. I feel like the vision I received in worship tonight was you in boldness inviting people to come and know and walk in the way of Jesus Christ. Um, and I was remembering that time all those years together. But in that might come some persecution, but just know there's blessing in that. But honestly, we're in a season of grace where I don't think much is going to come at all. If you would just have the courage to share your faith, we must strive to rest. Jesus said it's finished. It's finished. The race is over. His mission to redeem us, to give us victory over sin and death, he did it. We need to rest and have faith in the fact that what he did on the cross was enough to make us right with God. When we rest in his finished work, what did it do? It made us children. It made us children. It gave us a new identity. We were once not a people, but now we are a people of God. And it went from making us natives here on this earth to exiles here on earth because our home is now in heaven as children of God now. And in that, the work that James wants, he says works are absolutely critical. Works are proof. Works are evident. And they do matter. But it must come from resting in the fact that because of what Jesus did, you're a child. Once you find that identity, your activity, the work the Father wants, it will be lined up correctly. Many people believe in God but the works flow from resting in what he has done for you and what he has made you. Apart from faith, the scriptures say that your righteous deeds, your works are like filthy rags. But when faith and works work together in the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ, it says you're a light to the world. 
So how? It's the fundamentals. That's it. Like, it, I, I, I always say this about being a Christian. It's simple, but it's not easy. We've talked about good and good sleep. It's simple, but it's not easy. Prayer is hard for a distracted people. To Sabbath, to stop working. And I think, I think a lot of us can stop working, but can we stop worrying? Can we stop wanting? Can we Sabbath the way the Father calls? Man, I believe in meditation, right? You know how hard it is to meditate on just being with the Father? Because we're prone to wander so greatly. It's really hard to rest, isn't it? We must strive to enter the rest. Just to stop and listen, saying, Father, speak for your servant is listening. It's hard. It is hard. Solitude, right? Man, I haven't been alone <laughs> in like three years since I've been a dad, right? You know? Solitude is hard. And then beyond that, I think that the most simplest way we can start is just by raising our hands in worship, surrender. Man, I, I, I love, there's many beautiful reasons that we raise our hands, right, to God, saying, yeah, like, like, I'm, create, like I'm created to worship. That's why I'm raising my hands. It's true. But I love it. And I'm going to invite the worship team up at this time. But what I love about raising hands in worship is saying, you're, you're up there with your hands saying, God, I come without a thing. But God, I'm coming with all I need. You, you don't ask me for anything. You just ask for me. You ask for my shortcomings, my imperfections, and you exchange my shortcomings with life and with relationship. So as we prepare to worship, you do have an agenda. You do have work to do, and that's to experience God and to enjoy God. Brendan Manning, he says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. So if this is you tonight, when you're worshiping tonight, everyone please stand at this time. When you're worshiping tonight and your mind floats from the truth of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that this is an illusion, then you need to come back to that. When you wander from this, it's, it's not a matter. Here's what's so cool, how secure your salvation is when Jesus Christ is your Lord, meaning that I don't live for me anymore. I live for him. It's not my will. It's his will now. It is the security that you have in that. He's saying, even if you don't feel it, you still are. If you believe something else, if you, if, if you think that's not who you are, that that doesn't make it true, it's saying that that is an illusion. So if you would extend your hands like this for me, for some of us, this might be the first time you've ever raised hands in worship, right? And I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful thing. And this is, you know, and some of you guys were like, whoa, like, I did not think I was going to get these directions tonight to raise hands in worship. It's simple, isn't it? But this is how we strive to rest. This is saying, I surrender. I can't, but you can, Father God. So you guys put your hands down. When we worship this song, man, if, this, if, if surrendering your hands to praise and worship is not part of you, strive for it. Do it. It's not a feeling thing. It's an obedience thing. I'm resting, saying I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up. So as spirit ministers to you tonight, 
when you receive that affirmation as I'm one that's radically loved by God, boom, I want to see it on your time as the Spirit affirms it in you. I believe he's going to speak to you. I have faith in that. Let's pray. God, I love you, Lord. I pray for every person here that if they've forgotten who they are, that they'd remember who they are, that it's secure, Father God. It's finished. It's finished. If Jesus, if, if, if you are the Lord of their life, then they've been sealed and it can't be taken away, Father God. They've been sealed with the Holy Spirit himself, Father God. So I pray that they move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we rest in you, Spirit, that we'd overflow in love and good works and action. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.